Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Elon Musk has better things to do the than keep posters. The scientists on come or not. to Elon. Elon, we've done it! Long range plane travel on batteries. He's Straight. Get the f out. I gotta call Ninja. I gotta call Ninja right now. He's keen on this. Ninja, I've got a plane. Okay, what's up, guys? Welcome back to Watch Time, your weekly podcast where we break down the behind the scenes of YouTube culture. Today, we are getting into a really interesting topic, and we're going to be talking about the concept of YouTubers and YouTube relatability and what happens when youtubers lose their relatability and the flex and the flex and the flex and i think the reason we want to talk about this is a couple things that have happened in the last couple weeks that have brought up the concept of relatability but i think what makes this such a interesting topic is the fact where you think about what makes youtubers so interesting and so successful and for me one of the reasons i always think that youtubers are so successful is because they hit this balance between relatability and aspiration and relatability being that people can look at youtubers that have 100 subscribers or a million subscribers or 10 million subscribers. And oftentimes what you can see from those videos is not that different. So there's this there's this element of it that I think allows people to think like, hey, that could be just like me. You know, like I look at you right now and all I can see is that you're in a room with a black background and you're wearing a hoodie and you don't look, you know, like a, you're wearing, is that some laser beam merch? <laughs> I, I take the fr- I take the free merch because I'm humble. <laughs> but you know, there's this element where it's like, for gamers especially, this is just a guy just like me that loves playing games and is putting it in front of the world. And yet, there's this element of aspiration as well. Whereas, whereas it's like, you are aware that they're doing this as their full time job. They don't have to have another job. They can do it all the time. You're right about the background because I keep my giant stacks of cash on that side of the camera where no one can see them. Literal <laughs> mountains of thousand dollar notes. We don't actually have thousand dollar notes, but I wish we did. It'd make storing it all so much easier. But what do you think? Like, do you think that that is what holds some of the appeal for YouTubers? Yeah, I mean, like, I think it's a combo. I think the thing is that, I mean, obviously across, like, all areas of entertainment, there's a whole different spread of where I think people like and dislike certain people, you know? There's certain people, you know, and and it sounds weird, and as someone who, especially someone doesn't watch, like, WWE, but there are certain people in WWE who are specifically popular because they're hated, you know? They're the kind of people Mm -hmm. that you love to hate. They're almost like the anti- hero 
or the anti-villain, or I don't know what it is. But long story short, I, I, I think as a general rule, you know, before you go into the, the whole kind of like niches of popularity, absolutely. If you're talking about what is the, the generic role that I think you'll find about 90% of YouTubers will fit in, it's relatable, obviously like base level entertaining through their content. But I think the key thing for me, I think where a lot of uh, fans draw the line between where they like, quote unquote, like a YouTuber versus when they like disengage with them is around the point where uh, it sounds weird to, to go down to something so specific, but almost like they're asking their head, if I ran into this guy in real life on the street, does he look like he would shake my hand and say, what's up? Yeah. You know, like uh, it sounds like a weird way to put it. But I think for the vast majority of people, it's that it's that you know you can you can be aspirational, you can be someone who is similar yet has succeeded to a high degree. So people kind of like to a degree want to be you. But ultimately, to put it bluntly, you're not an asshole. You know, like people no. people don't want to support someone who they really hate. No, but I think there's that appeal where it's like, okay, this person isn't a movie star. They're not like singing on stage to millions of people, although maybe they are being watched by millions of people. They're just doing what I could do. Like there's that element of I could be like you too. I sit at my desk as well. Totally. And then I think where it gets really interesting is as these people get more and more successful on YouTube. They're going to be making more and more money. Their lifestyles are going to change. They might be traveling across the world more. They might be doing different things with brands. And suddenly it gets to a point where these people have millions and millions of fans, millions of viewers, probably making millions of dollars. And suddenly they've lost a lot of the elements that people liked them for in the first place that made them just like me. Really what prompted us to start this topic is the Call Her Daddy drama that's been happening over the last few weeks. And this is the last episode where we're probably going to talk about this, but we we really wanted to touch on this or last week and we just it? didn't have time. Who knows? But I think what really got us thinking about the topic of relatability was the fact that these girls very much positioned themselves as the every girl. They were in their mid-20s, living in New York, struggling, talking about the fact that they had to pick up furniture off the side of the street to furnish their apartment, talking about the fact that they, you know, would try and finesse guys to get them to pay for dates and that sort of thing because they didn't have the money to do it themselves. And I think it was a core part of their brand almost, was being this example of the every girl in New York City or the every even 20 something yeah. year old that um, that's just living their life. And the fact that they were poor was a constant theme of the show. And through all of the contract negotiations that played out extremely publicly, it obviously came out that that was not the case. And each of them was making in the realm of half a million dollars a year, which really slightly not humble. people felt betrayed people felt like hang on I've been fooled like what were you trying to pretend that you were like me or I was like you when actually I would do anything in the world to be paid half a million dollars to do a one-hour podcast each week that's crazy and I think that's where they've really really run into trouble and you realize how precarious that relationship is where you want to be relatable but you don't want to be 
telling people everything for the risk that it could make you seem totally unrelatable. Yeah. And yeah, I think that's I think that's a really really interesting point. And I think what what I find is the most appealing part about YouTubers in many ways is the fact that they're kind of like an 11 out of 10 on the personality scale. They're what people wish they could be if they didn't have to worry about their public perception or money or whatever, you know, like these girls were talking really candidly about like sex and relationships and stuff. And people were feeling like, Oh, if only my life could be like that. Like they're just like me with a little extra something Yeah, like, and I look at people like Logan Paul and that sort of thing. And I see the same thing. It's like, he's just like me, but he can swing from the chandelier in his house. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's interesting because there's so many YouTubers out there who and I and or, or podcasts. I think exactly like you saw with the Call Me Daddy girls, where it's where they get a level of wealth and that alienates their audience. But at the same time, you have so many people like Jake Paul, Logan Paul, um, uh, Jeffrey Star, who achieve insane levels of wealth and not only achieve it, but also like, hey, here's my seven Rolls Royces parked in front of my mansion where I also like have like a jet that picks me up every day. And like people love it, people froth it. And I, I think for me, ultimately what it comes down to in terms of the wealth part of relatability is how you own it and but but then there's also other factors into it which i'm keen to touch in a bit but but ultimately i feel like audiences don't care in fact a lot of the time audiences want you to succeed i think when you're a channel you know they want to know like your merch sold incredibly well they want to know that you're you know moving up in the world you're buying a house and then just being like thank you so much for the support guys but i think what audiences don't like is crying poor and then them finding out that that was all bullcrap because then you feel you totally Totally. I think it's like that transparency and people get caught in this catch 22 because they don't want to be too transparent and tell people, yeah, actually I'm making millions of dollars and risk losing it. But at the same time, if they then find out that you're making millions of dollars, people hate it. And yeah. I think a classic example of that has been Shane Dawson. Like Shane Dawson cries poor all the time. And I remember we spoke about this last year when he was doing the Jeffree Star documentary and they were talking about um, the process of making a makeup palette. And it came out that obviously they were going to be making shitloads. And Jeffrey and, and sorry, Shane was still talking about how he has no money and he can't afford this and he shops at Target. Meanwhile, he's putting ads on every single one of those videos. And you and I both know those videos were getting like 10 Huge. to 20 million views a video. Like how much do you think he was getting paid for those sponsorships for like a 60 second roll? 300 grand? Conservatively? Yep. 250, 300 grand? Yep. Easy, easy. And I think that's where he copped a lot of shit because suddenly people were like, hang on, now we know you can't play that card. I shop at Target. Also, I made $10 million this year, guys, by my merch. Yeah. And I think it actually came out he had to address it because he was like, guys, I am poor relative to Jeffrey. And it's like, dude, come on. Come <laughs> on, bro. Like, guys, guys, I'm poor relative to Elon Musk. All right. Daddy Musk up there just flexing on me. All right. I'm doing it tough down here in the trenches with my 8 million subscribers. But like, you know, For like, real. yeah, it's like everyone's poor relative to someone, unless you're Jeff Bezos. If you're Jeff Bezos, you're poor relative to no one. But unless you're that guy, everyone is poor relative to someone. And that's a crap card to play. Yeah. I think another example of this was the Ace family. 
And I don't know if you've seen much of them. I, I don't watch them. I just saw it when all of the sort of news came out about them. But they were a family vlogging channel that completely blew up and then framed a whole chunk of the content they were doing for a period of time on the fact that they were building this new house and would often clickbait with really clickbaity titles like you won't believe what happened to our house with like a thumbnail of really sad faces and then it came out where it was like we don't know whether to move into our beautiful new multi-million dollar house before the landscape architecting has happened or oh. after and and like comments like you know, we can walk from our master bedroom to our gym without having to go downstairs like our old house. And people were just watching this and being like, sorry, what did you just say? And and you like, said, and you said, please buy our merch to support the channel. What? Yeah. Like it feels gross for that. For me, that feels particularly gross because you know, their audience is so young. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, you know, where when I think it comes to wealth, I think there's, there's three tiers to it. There's Pretending like you're not wealthy and then people finding out you are, which is always bad. Uh, then always there, bad. Then there is uh, owning that you're wealthy, which I would put into the Jake Paul, Jeffree Star category, which is just being like, fuck rich, bro. Get on my get on my level. Like, I live this life, you know? Like, And people live that as just pure aspirational content. But then I, I think that the, 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 the other type of wealth that people really don't like is exactly what you described there, which is Ace Family to a point owns that they're being wealthy but the difference is that there's owning that you're wealthy in like a jake paul way where you're like i got so much money this is just ridiculous let's have some fun same way that like uh same way that um david dobrik does it right he's like i have so much money let's just buy a fucking tesla and let's give this chick some money and then we're gonna get a bear and we're gonna go to vegas and put 50 grand on black you know it's just like see yeah but and, and i the, just to finish the the thought, then there's the the really bad kind, which is unrelatable wealth, which is what you were saying there with the Ace family, which is they're wealthy, they own it, but they don't recognize their privilege in having that wealth, and I feel like that's Ooh. where people hate it. That's actually a great distinction. It's like they, it's having the wealth. And on one hand, being able to recognize how ridiculously lucky you are and how unrealistic it is that you've somehow come into this amount of luck and therefore being like, I'm going to be like anyone else in this situation. I'm going to make content with it. I'm going to share it with you guys. I'm going to sort of do what in a kind of joking way, like do what anyone would do if they came into this stupid amount of money. Or there's the amount of money where it's like, you're not recognizing the fact that you're crazy lucky, like, and that this is insane. Yeah. Because that's that's in the past what I have found difficult to distinguish between. It's like some people I feel like can talk about their wealth and some people can't. And Jeffree Star, I think, is an amazing example because he put a huge house tour on the internet, which a lot of people don't do. And it was the biggest of flexes, the biggest of flexes. He's this is his my literal collection. vault where I keep my handbags. Like what the and fuck? You're like, you're like, it 
You know, you know, you know the thing with Jeffrey Star, it was just such a ridiculous level of wealth. It almost can't be unrelatable because it's not a relatable amount of wealth. You know, there's like, no. there's wealth where you're like, okay, you've got like a really nice house. Like that's like, I can understand that. Then there's the level of wealth where you have a vault to keep your $3 million worth of shoes. And you're just like, that's just so ridiculous. I don't even understand that. That's just, that's insane. And then there's the fact that he eats Taco Bell and fast food I was gonna say, all the time. He, he sprinkles it in. He sprinkles that relatability in there. Yeah. And he's like, I have all this money. I will buy all these things, but I'm not too good for, you know, fast food. And these what things are the that, people? Like, make me just like you. Yeah. Yeah, no, 100%. We're the same. And, and yeah, I think that's a great distinction. And unrelatable wealth, where does that come in? Unrelatable wealth? Well, I think that's where people use it as a flex. I think it's when people are using their money to actually say we're not like each other. And but, I'm more powerful. It's like they use it in a vindictive way. No, no, no. You know where I think people really hate it, though? And I think this is the difference. Because, like, Jake Paul uses his wealth as a flex. But people don't... People hate him for a lot of reasons. I don't think they hate him for being rich. But where people, I think, hate uh, wealth flex is where mm -hmm. you're someone who pretends like it's not a flex. Even though you know it is. Or at the very least, and this is possibly worse, you should know it is and you don't yeah. properly acknowledge it. You know, like, Ignorance. I think the Ace family just casually being like, oh, you know, like, now we don't have to go downstairs to our gym. Instead of being like, guys, this is like the dumbest thing ever, but like, you know, this is like hilarious that now this isn't a problem, you know? That would totally change the rhetoric. I think there's things yeah. like um, when you see Ninja and his wife tweet out like, oh my God, like Louis Vuitton just like casually sends us like their entire collection and then we send back what we don't want. It's just like, bro, come on. Like, you know that's a flex, but you're trying to say it as a casual statement and you know that it's not. And by trying to make it casual, when it's very clearly not, you just come across yeah. bad. Or, or like, you know, when, when it's like uh, the private jet conversations, right? For me, this is the example and I've brought it up. So this was a tweet that I saw from Ninja last year where I was like, oh, that's not good for you. Like you sound ignorant. And he tweeted last year, struggling with wanting to fly, sorry, repeat. Struggling with wanting to fly private for time and simplicity, but I understand how bad it is for the planet and want to minimize how often I do fly private. Wife and I have been delayed for five hours flying commercial. And it's just like, uh, yeah, I struggle with that complexity all the time. Like, do I fly private? Hashtag do I help relatable. <laughs> it's just like, this is a problem this is the thing with that Ninja. I sometimes hate. feel like Ninja tweets things and I'm just like, dude, you could have left it in the drafts, that one. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, what were you hoping for you know, as an answer? It's weird because it's like, it's like, you know, that is actually a totally fair thing to have. If you're a very in incredibly wealthy person where your time is valuable, then it, it's totally fine to, to, to struggle with that. Be like, you know, I, my time is valuable. I want to get places, but also I'm conscious about the impact it has on the environment. Totally okay. When you start yeah. putting that out there to all your like 12, 14 year old fans who built you up from like when you were like recording videos only like two years ago, by the way, in your bedroom, like 
it just it comes across as yeah. like a hey, I know that this is totally not relatable or even fractionally understandable for 99.9% .9 of you, but hey, I'm going to throw it out there anyway so everyone knows I'm taking them PJs. The funny, you know the like, pre-tweet to this was him being like, is it possible for planes to fly off a battery or is there not a powerful enough battery yet? Elon Musk replies, yes, but still a bit too limited on range. This, this will change in coming years as battery energy density improves. Ninja replies, Don't, I keep this. me posted. I'm like, dude, <laughs> dude, like Elon Musk has better things to Fucking do. The scientists, the scientists come to Elon. Elon, we've done it. Long range plane travel on batteries. He's fucking straight. Get the fuck out. I gotta, like, shit, I gotta call Ninja. I gotta call Ninja right fucking now. He's keen on this. Ninja, I've got a plane. <laughs> Suddenly he can do both fly private and help the environment. <laughs> like, it's just ignorant. It, it, it was an ignorant comment, like a valid comment, but probably not one that you should post to your millions of fans for which that will never even possibly be a question. I guess there would be, other than maybe Drake, if Drake still follows Ninja, I don't know. Other than Drake, not a single person on your Twitter timeline is going to have any actual relatable input into that. It's like, no. the only thing that tweet achieves is a flex. And something that makes your fans go, wow, I can neither relate nor will I ever relate to that comment. Thanks for that, Ninja. Fuck you. You know, as opposed to yeah. the differences if you're... Uh... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Um, you know, someone who I think owns your wealth, you're like, oh my God, guys, we took a literal private jet to Vegas because like, and we, and we like threw champagne everywhere and it was the dumbest thing we've ever done. Like, this is so stupid. And it was so fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. Then it's it. like, yeah. Okay. So this is something that I want to talk about that is specifically for gamers, I think. Well, not specifically, but I think it can apply here. Because this is not the first time I think that Ninja has made an ignorant comment about money publicly. The and just a couple weeks ago, he was on Tim the Tapman's stream talking about how every time he's online, he's constantly getting comments in chat about how his views are lower on Mixer or he's not doing as well. And he had a little bit of a outburst, I feel might be the right I, I actually didn't mind, I didn't mind this clip. I, I, this clip goes into the point that I was saying where it's just like so outrageous that it's like, it's like, you know what? I can't even hate it. So basically he came out with the comment where he said that he could buy the bank that has the mortgage for the, whoever's house is giving him shit and buy his house, in which case he couldn't make comments anymore because he wouldn't have internet because he doesn't have a house because Ninja owns the house and the bank. I own that. And I, I it, love was that. Like, it was like, what? That's quite creative to just come up with on the spot. Like... I'll, I'll buy the bank. Like, of all the things you could say, okay. Um, 
But yeah, agree. It was like such a flex. I, I see, I don't mind it because I don't mind people owning it. I think it's kind of refreshing when people are like, you know what, I'm doing well. And yeah, I might be getting lower views on Mixer, but best believe I am completely fine in the money department. Exactly. I find it refreshing, but I think a lot of people hate the feeling of something being thrown in their face where it's like, we got you here and now you're talking about like how you're totally unlike us in yeah. that you have all of this power over me. It does it does draw that fine line, but but also at the same time, I think that hating on a hater is very relatable. Like if someone's being a dick, you just want to be like, you want to screw them over in the most efficient way possible. And I think everyone can relate to that, whether it's like beating them in a game or if you're a ninja, buying their bank and foreclosing on their house so they don't have internet to shit talk you anymore. <laughs> Look, I, I think it's like, it's it, it's that's actually, I think, a really great example of like a flex that is so hilarious. It's not even a flex. It's just like, it, it, it's not something that you could actually reasonably do. You know, like, things, that, <laughs> things that get epic in, things that got ninja and crap are stuff like when uh, someone like stream sniped him and emoted on him and he was like, I'm going to report you to epic. Right? Oh, yeah. That that got him in trouble. That's because, good, Elliot. You're making some good little distinctions this mm, episode. Because because he can because that's something that people are like, okay, that's actually genuine. You know, he thinks Yeah, it's a threat. He thinks that he's ninja and that Epic is gonna listen to him and they're gonna ban someone just because they happen to eliminate him. That's bad. Yeah. As opposed to being like it, it's literally like being like, bro, I could pay enough money to kidnap you, buy a rocket, strap you inside the rocket, send you to the moon, <laughs> and then you're never gonna be able to talk to me again because you're on your way to fucking Mars. You know? And he's like, you know what? Fuck. Like, he probably does have enough money to buy a spot on a rocket. <laughs> But also, like, that's so dumb. Like, obviously, that's not real. And therefore, I'll pay it. So it's kind of like... Or I is it? Because Elon Musk is in his Twitter replies. Honestly, and God Elon damn. Musk is doing rocket they ships. Probably, they probably <laughs> built a rocket ship battery. And they're working on it right now with Ninja to launch his haters to the moon. <laughs> First Mars crew. Hashtag relatable. Um, okay. I think that takes us into the last kind of section of this, though, which is where you straight up don't talk about your money or whatever might risk you not being relatable. Yeah. And I think this is a really interesting one to talk to. It's one that I feel like we can talk to because we have a lot of friends that might be in this position um, where they recognise that there is an inherent risk talking about money one way or another talking about either I don't have enough money or I do have a lot of money and then having additional information come out or leak or just risking your public perception with that as a factor. And so as a result, you literally just never talk about it. You don't mention anything. Yeah. You don't show your wealth. You don't show your cars. You don't show where you live. How, what do you think about this? I think that's where, honestly, the vast, vast majority of people in gaming really are. Because I can understand mm. people in lifestyle content kind of ultimately going down the flex route. You're sharing your life every day. Number one, sharing your life ultimately means at a certain point there will be transparency about where you live and how wealthy you are and what cars you drive. Yeah. You may as well own it. Totally. Also, being wealthy opens up a whole new like plethora of like ways you can flex like, or like content you can make. Like we're going to Vegas and putting 50 grand on black, you know, like bam, content. 
I think the advantage of like in the in the space that you and I normally operate is we're in gaming. And in gaming, like other than buying every Fortnite skin when it comes out, subtle flex, um, you know, there's there's really not that much relevance between what we do and how wealthy we are. You know, like me me tweeting, hey, I bought a Ferrari. Outside of that tweet, like me buying a Ferrari is never gonna have any relevance in my overall like channel and my persona and, unless I somehow integrate it into the content. But long story short, I would say that a lot of a lot of the time i don't think it's like a necessarily like unwillingness to flex or not wanting to seem unrelatable or anything tactical like that i think it's just flat you know it it's not necessary which is what do you feel about creator codes what do you feel about when fortnite creator codes were a big thing and youtubers were being like help me pay rent use my code or help me put food on the table use my code when in reality they're making more than enough. Yeah, so I think that's like that's a point where things get slightly more interesting. I think I think once again that comes back to what we were saying about um, not James Charles, who am I? Uh, Jeffrey Star. Jeffrey, no, not Jeffrey Star. His mate. Shane Dawson. Shane Dawson. It comes back to more like what we were saying about Shane Dawson, which is lying about your lack of wealth. Like I remember mm. there were there were a few weeks where obviously, and I think very justifiably, like Lannan, Lazebeam, when he was starting. For, for like two or three years before Fortnite, Lannan had a whole meme on his channel of like, I'm demonetized, I don't make any money off YouTube, blah, 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 blah. Absolutely understandable because he legitimately was demonetized, wasn't making money. Then I yeah. think there was like, there was this weird point right around when Creator Codes came out where Lannan did, like once again, it was a really, really short amount of time, but where Lannan did a couple of like call outs where he was like, oh, like support me because like not making any money on YouTube. And me and, me and Lockie were like, me and Lockie were like, look, 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 mate, like, you know, come on. By the way, my mic's broken so I can pick it up right now. It's um, very awkward. We were like, but we were like, we were like, come on, mate. Like, you know, you're not, you're not demonetized on Fortnite anymore. Like it, it was a meme, but, but you probably, you know, like tone it down a little bit now, you know, which, and, and, and I, I think pretty, pretty quickly that, that is what changed. Why and did that, you care about that? Like, why did you call him out on it? Because I, I think it's frustrating as a creator, especially with something like a creator code where it's like, you know, at the time me, Lockie and Lanham were all like relatively similarly sized. And I think it's like, if you're yeah. a fan who sees like me, knows I've done pretty well for a few years, sees Lockie, done pretty well for a few years, but then you've got, and, and we're all just like, hey, if you want to support the content, use my credit code and then if you have one person who's like hey i'm poor and i can't afford rent this month unless you use my credit code not that that's exactly what lanon said but you know but but it's just kind of like uh if someone is like it would be like me kind of coming like being on like i have a really sick sister called grace and if you don't use my creator code like i can't pay her hospital bills it's essentially just like it's It's just like like, it's it's not like that no one's dying no one ever said yeah yeah, no 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 no. but but it's unnecessarily leaning on the relationship you have with your fans and and just like in an inauthentic way which once again it was like it was like it was a very short timeline to be fair for lannan from when he went to legitimately being completely demonetized making nothing to like being like a really damn successful and there was a weird like middle point right there where where i think being lucky a couple times like hey come on come on come on you know like let's let's be real here but but um but yeah i I think that would be the only time where it's really happened in my circle but no i think if you look at gaming as a whole with the one exception of ninja which is why i think he cops so much flack for it um you know there, there are so many incredibly wealthy people 
no one out there, well, pretty much no one could tell me, like, what kind of house PewDiePie lives in. Does he drive a nice car? Does Markiplier drive a nice car? Does Markiplier live in a nice house? Other than the yeah. little shots you've seen. No one can tell me, like, no real big gamers out there, with a few exceptions, who are like, hey, I bought a McLaren, you know? Like, FaZe Clan, but they do a lot more lifestyle stuff. They kind of get into that area a bit more. Very few people I know really push that part. Yeah. It's true. I think about, like, you know, and it's hard because I know these people personally, but I think about, like, Vic or Lachlan or Lannan or you, really anyone. There's not very much you can see online about their houses. No. I do think some people are specific about what they'll do. Like, I know, I know a lot of people that just have chosen not to do a house tour because they don't want to risk copying negative comments about it but yeah. i guess with gaming maybe you're in kind of a safer spot because people don't need to know and therefore you don't need to even take the risk that your reputation could be ruined yeah exactly Do you? yeah 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 i think that's really interesting I, I think the key thing is if you're doing well it's not like you need to pretend that you're poor you know you don't, you don't need to pretend that you you're not making money ultimately like youtube's at a point now where people can look at your monthly views and they can say plus or minus 30 40 percent what you're making you know you're making between like 200 300 grand a month um yeah and i think it's totally fine to occasionally be like hey guys thanks so much for the support i just bought a tesla and it's really cool and i'm super excited about it you know i think that's yeah. totally fine I think there's just like a level where it gets a little bit gratuitous where yeah. it's kind of like, all right, well now no one's no, no one, no one appreciates this. Okay. We have some really good questions from people that they've put in. So I want to get your thoughts on most of these questions. Okay. Hit me. Question number one. How much thought do you think genuinely goes into continuing to p appear relatable once YouTubers achieve a certain level of success? Do you feel like many creators are hiding or downplaying their wealth? Is it more important to be honest to your own success or to seem relatable? I I think it's actually a very small subset that... Uh, uh... I think I, I don't think many people necessarily go out of their way to downplay their wealth in the sense that they're like, I'm poor when they're really rich. I think that most YouTubers probably just, especially in gaming, don't go out of their way to flaunt their wealth. You know, they're not like, I bought a house, I bought a yes. car, I bought a Ferrari, I got this new chain. I think some people do. And for those people, a lot of those people, they build that into their brand pretty well. KSI, really good example. He's like, bro, I bought this $500,000 chain. It's fucking sick. But you know what? Yeah. No one hates him for that because he owns that. That's part of his brand. Where people hate it is where someone tries to mix and match being the, the really humble, relatable the gamer with also occasionally being like, hey, I'm on a private jet, you know? And mm. I, I don't think anyone, I, I've never seen a YouTuber cop hate for occasionally indulging. You know, like even me, Lockie Lannan, who generally don't put any wealth stuff out there. Once a year, we would get a little jet from LA to Vegas. It's like a little 30 minute flight, pretty small. But like, and we would, but like literally I would the say, <laughs> I would say that that E3 trip once a year, pretty much everyone probably puts an Instagram post of them on the jet. And that's like yeah. a little bit of like, you know, that's like, it's a little flex for the year, you know? And then you're like, and then you're out. And then you're back to like, hey guys, I'm here at my setup and like, it's chill. 
Do you know who I really respected um, and who I think did this really well is Valkyrie when she signed her YouTube deal and she made her announcement video and or she did a Q&A video or something afterwards and she addressed it head on. She was like, why did I sign this deal? And she was like, there was a really big price tag attached to it. Yeah. And she was like, I want to support my family and I want to set myself up for the future. And she really, she was like, this gave me the security that I needed to know that I could do that. Yeah. And I was like, I think you did that in a really tasteful way. You addressed it head on. You addressed the elephant in the room that obviously, yes, you're getting paid for it. And what, why that's important, what you want to do with it. And I loved the way that she did that. So I think, I don't think it's, I think where you get into dangerous territory is people downplaying their wealth or, or crying poor when they're not and yeah. they risk getting exposed. Nobody likes um, that. Nobody likes that. But I think for a lot of people, they just won't address it head on. No. They won't talk about it. They won't do a house tour. They won't take photos of them going shopping and stuff no no which i think in many ways often like just pushes it even worse because then people are like oh well, you're lying you're pretending like you're not making money we all know you are and you're probably like out there buying lamborghinis with it as opposed to if you do a valkyrie which is being like hey guys yeah made a lot of money from this and yeah you know like i i made a lot of money and i'm using it to do good stuff like support my family yeah and then people are like you know what yeah. good job Okay, one other good question that I think maybe might be framed more for me. But the question is, have you ever had to rein in a talent's ego as a manager to prevent a don't you know who I am incident from occurring? Also, in contrast, have you ever had talent be too humble and get treated poorly without speaking up? And how do you balance those two things? This is a really good question, I think, because the second part of the question is I think why I felt I feel felt and feel really passionately about Click was because I think one of the reasons that Click was started was because we recognized that there were a lot of creators in the industry that were kind of getting taken advantage of from brands and brands would come to these people that have massive influence and say, hey, like, can I give you a free keyboard in return for you doing three YouTube videos to your 200,000 people that watch you? And the YouTuber would be like, oh my God, like, this brand reached out to me that I love, like, of course. And I'm I get validated. Without knowing that, you know, for that brand, if they had to pay for traditional advertising to reach that amount of people, they'd have to spend 10 grand or something to create yeah. an ad and get it out to that many people. So I think for me, that's one of the reasons that I'm really passionate about finding small creators and helping them grow is because they can realize the power and and the influence that they have to talk to their audience. Yeah. Um, so I think oftentimes, yes, especially when we're talking to smaller creators or creators that haven't done much work with um, brand deals or that haven't had jobs before, I think it's a really, really rewarding part of the job to be like, actually know your worth, like you're so valuable. And therefore it's really important that you treat yourself and project yourself as yeah. such in with humility. Yeah. But um, I find that a really rewarding part of the job. On the other hand, um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that I've had to rein in anyone's ego. I think for the most part, I'm very lucky to work with, um, to work with creators that are 
good people, I think. But yes, sometimes I think creators can lose perspective of the many other people that are involved in making something happen. I think this would most likely occur with um, brand deals and things like that. I've never had to rein in a creator in a public setting or with fans or anything. I think all of my creators are extremely aware and, and grateful for their communities and the people that watch them. So I've never had to be like, no, um, or, you know, quite to the contrary, like for example, Lachlan is a perfect example of this. Um, whenever Lachlan does a meet and greet, he will stay till the last person. He hates leaving meet and greets early. So sometimes if we do a meet and greet with a brand or an event or something, um, they'll say, oh, the meet and greets two hours. Um, but if there is more than two hours worth of people there, like Lachlan will stay the whole time. He doesn't leave early. And so that would be an example of, I think, where I really respect that about him. Um, With brand deals, on the other hand, I would say yes, sometimes. And it's not necessarily that people are saying like, hey, I'm worth a million dollars and they only want to pay me half a million dollars or something. I think it's more a lack of consideration for the other people who were involved in making that happen. So it's not just one person at the brand saying like, hey, Elliot, can you make a sponsored video about this? It's like there's your manager that's putting in the time to make sure it happens. There's maybe the people at like that brand's agents or agency or whatever that are making it happen. These people have marketing timelines where they have to have content go live on a certain day because it feeds into when they're having TV ads go live or billboards go live or podcast ads go live. Yeah. Or it's when they're doing a whole coordinated campaign. And it's easy when you're a YouTuber to be like, ah, you can go live a day later. Like, what does it matter? It's a day later. And then the marketing team's like, oh my God. Yeah, and I think that would be a situation that does happen relatively often as a creator might be like, well, I don't really like the video or I actually want to upload this video a couple days later. So if if it can just wait a couple days, that's fine. And sometimes it's like, well, actually it can't wait a couple days because you're going to cause a huge amount of stress for tens of other people down the line. So I think that would be a situation that, yes, we do. I, I have to be like, look, there's more to this. You have to kind of play along at the same time. But yeah, let us know what you guys think down in the comment section below. Everything between what makes a YouTuber relatable, unrelatable, when do you flex too far, when do you not flex enough, when are you trying to hide what your real flex is. Love to hear what you guys think. As always, remember to rate and 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 comment whatever you can do on your different platform, wherever you're watching the podcast, whether that's on YouTube or one of the different audio platforms. But yeah, guys, until the next week, we'll catch you then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 